Welcome back. If you're watching this live, it is Thursday night. I'm Corey Miller with Frank Cusimano for Sports Plus Live on KSDK, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, hello there as well, the Sports Plus podcast. we got a lot to talk about tonight. It's fun to have uh, a sport to talk about again. We've been enjoying Cardinals baseball, but first things first, we're going to talk about the Blues. Uh, we saw them play last night against the Blackhawks. Frank, just so far, it seems like the NHL really has it figured out when it comes to their whole bubble situation and looking like they're going to be able to make this thing work. They really do. Anytime you have like a hundred plus people just kind of roaming around the fenced in area to make sure nobody gets out and nobody gets in, you know it's going to go pretty smoothly. I love that stat recently where there were... 800 players tested and not one of them tested positive. You know, if you have this kind of bubble and you're in an area with one of the lowest death totals in the world, you got a chance to really make this thing work, Corey. Yeah, out of, out of all the sports, everybody's trying it, but I feel the best about hockey if, as they're going to be able to be the ones definitely to finish the season off. Uh, let's talk about the Blues. You watched the game last night. I watched the game last night. Was it great? I mean, we're happy to see hockey back, but the Blues uh, Blues got taken to the woodshed a little bit by the Blackhawks. Do you take anything away from that game at all last night, or you just throw it away, exhibition, doesn't matter? Well, I think that uh, what I've learned in covering sports, it's the only thing I know for sure, is that when a team plays poorly, that coach has their attention more than when a team plays well. And even though it's a meaningless game, I promise you, Craig Berube has the full attention of every member of his team. And they're going to come out on Sunday and look like they're playing in, you know, game one of the real Stanley Cup playoffs. So, um, look, I didn't want them to lose four to nothing. I didn't want them to have two consecutive power plays where they didn't get a shot off. But believe me, a message has been sent. They had the day off today. I imagine they'll have a great practice Friday and Saturday and come out flying against the Avalanche on Sunday evening. How important are these first round-robin games uh, against Vegas, Dallas, and Colorado? Because Blues finished with the best record in the West, and really it doesn't mean anything anymore if they don't win some of these round-robin games to keep that top seed. Yeah, it, it depends on who you want to play. I mean, do you really want to play against the National Predators in the first round, the team that you never even led against and lost all four games? I don't know. I just think that you can't worry about matchups right now, Corey. I just think that this team has to get into their game during the round robin. Jordan Bennington's got to be in a groove. Vladimir Tarasenko's got to show he's back. That power play which was so good in the regular season, has got to mesh. So I'm not so certain it's about wins and losses. It's about getting into the Blues style of game. That's a good way to look at it. I'll tell you, I, I do hope they don't play the Oilers, who were the fifth seed when the season ended. I think that would be a really bad draw because that team is really good. And facing them right out of the gate, that could be a tough draw. So I don't want to see Edmonton, but like you said, it's just more to get feet underneath them. Hopefully they at least look good in those first couple games. Um, 
Let's see. We have Christina asking, when do they play? The Blues first play Sunday against Colorado. I'm not sure on the time. Is it 6.30 or is it later than that? I'm not sure what time Five, they play. 5.30 uh, Central Time. 5.30 Central Time. The Blues will be playing time. games that count again. Um, do you think there's any chance we'll see both goaltenders this postseason? You know, Bennington's obviously the number one guy. And in a regular postseason, he's the guy all the way through. But these guys, maybe they don't have their legs underneath each other. Is there any chance we see maybe split duty at some point? Or is this all Bennington? I, I think the only way we see Jake Allen is if Jordan Bennington struggles. And that would not be a good sign. Now, not that I don't have confidence in Jake Allen, but we know the other guy, what he did in last year's postseason. We know that he won, you know, 30 games this past year. Jake Allen had a good season, too. But, you know, in the playoffs, normally you don't, I don't know, you sometimes see two. But I think with the way Bennington was last year, you're going to see him all the time unless he falters. Something uh, I thought was interesting last night listening to the telecast. Apparently, the Blues won't necessarily get the top seed, but since they finished with the most points, they got the best hotel with the best location closest to the rink, and all the coaches got suites. So there's something there to hang your head on, I guess. I thought that was funny. You know, it's pretty funny, too. I think they did that in Orlando, too that the teams with the better records are staying at the better hotels. Okay, you finished uh, 60 and 20. You guys go to the Ritz. You guys finished uh, 30 and 30. You go to the Motel 6. Not that there's any Motel 6s, but still, there, there are better hotels. And the, <laughs> that is so crazy how they did that. I'll tell you what, Corey. I, I saw, they, um, yeah. and in fact, we showed it on TV. I, I'm not feeling too sorry for these players. Uh, these these room service meals, we had. Some, I saw one with sweet potato fries, some lovely chicken wings, a Cobb salad. I mean, you can probably get anything you want to eat at any time. You get to shoot baskets, you get to play ping pong, you have a movie theater. It's not that bad. The only drawback is you don't get to see your wife and kids. I agree. The setup is not that bad. I thought it was pretty cool. I think all the NHL teams did this. When the players showed up, they already had pictures and some drawings from some of the kids of the players waiting in the rooms when they showed up as like a homey touch. I thought that was kind of nice, but it, it does seem like a decent yeah, deal that for was them. Great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, who's we haven't, like you said, we've only seen one game, but do you have a guy who you've just been waiting to see? I think I know who you're going to say, but who's your pick to explode in the playoffs for the Blues? Who could carry this team? Like we saw Jaden Schwartz do at the beginning of the playoffs last year. Is there a guy you're looking forward to? Okay, this guy could be the guy that really breaks out. Well, I think that, you know, you can't win this thing unless, like, your best players are really good. So I know a lot of people want to say Vladimir Tarasenko. Well, he has to be very good. And a lot of people are going to say Ryan O'Reilly. He has to be very good. I think the, the way to answer the question is, if this guy's good, does it change the whole flow of this postseason? And that may be like a guy like David Perron, or last year it was, you know, Schwartz. So um, I'll tell you one guy who I loved all season long, and it's not like I'm going out in left field to pick him, but Braden Shen had an unbelievable scoring season. So maybe he's the guy who, who could be the difference maker for the Blues. 
We know he has the ability to break out and score a lot of goals in a short period of time, so that's a good pick. I- I'm looking forward to see if Zach Sanford can complete yeah. really a- an impressive year from what I saw. Uh, he had some momentum going. He seemed like he was starting to figure it out. If he could be an extra offensive punch to a team that already has a bunch, I think that could be really big for him too. And another guy is Robert Thomas. Um, it's interesting because during the break, this is the first time he's ever gone through a stretch where he didn't have to play hockey for three or four months. And that was really essential because the only dent in his armor is his shot. And it's not because he doesn't have a good shot. It's because he had the wrist issue. Well, that wrist got to rest. And he's playing center now. And from all reports, is that shot starting to come back? And you add that to his incredible repertoire, and you got yourself a you know future NHL All-Star. That's a good call. So Blue's back on Sunday. We're excited for that. We've been watching the Cardinals. Now, that lack of offense, switching gears a little bit here to Cardinals baseball, that lack of offense is starting to show what we saw at the end of last year for stretches. What's the first thing you're doing right now if you're Mike Shield? Are you overreacting at all? Are you Maybe it's not an overreaction in such a short season. Are you doing anything right now if you're the manager, or are you just letting it, you know, this is our lineup, let's see what we got? Well, there's only so much he can do right now with this roster of 30. Do you think about, you know, Lane Thomas or Bader each night in center field? You play Tyler every day in left and probably Dexter every day in right. And I'm still okay with Matt Carpenter, although, you know, he didn't look good last night. Um, I think in the back of Mike Schilt's mind, in the back of John Mozeliak's mind, is Dylan Carlson. You know, there was a stretch there at summer camp, Corey, where you thought, you know what, not only is Dylan Carlson not going to be on the team, but, boy, we may not see him for a while. But if this continues where you are not getting any production in center field and it's a 60-game season, you say, come on up, young man. We're going to give you a chance to play. I mean, Corey, let's face it. They scored one more run than the, full, than the Miami Marlins, and Miami hasn't played since Sunday. They have offensive issues. Yeah, that's probably not a great sign. Uh, I am a little surprised Lane Thomas hasn't gotten more of a shot yet. I know we're only uh, five games in, but I think you have to give Lane sh- Lane Thomas a shot in center field here, at least for a couple games, because uh, Bader's just not doing it right now, and Lane Thomas is on the roster. Carlson is not yet. i I got to give Lane Thomas a shot if I'm Mike Schilt, but... I think the Carlson countdown is on. We could see him as soon as a couple of days, right? Uh, they were just waiting, what what was it, 10 days for the service time uh, rules to kick in. So it could be very soon. It's actually a week, Corey. So you could see him as early as, you know, this weekend. I were not going to, but, yeah, it's only, you know, the seven days that won't that'll keep him under contract for another year. Who's been... I'll go first here. Who's been maybe the most interesting guy through five games that has kind of either impressed you or you thought, okay, this guy could end up carrying a team or I didn't know he could do that. I, I He's only been had two home runs, but they've been impressive shots. You and I are both big on Tyler O'Neill. I'm excited for the rest of this season. I think he could end up leading this team in home runs and uh, providing some extra offense. I know it's just a couple games, like I said, but I'm glad he's finally getting a shot. And let's face it, the reason you and I both like him is because he plays on our fantasy team and we need him to play. No, I, I love him. And, 
It's it's four RBIs in five games. Uh, I tell you, the the first home run, it was off a breaking ball, and it didn't look like he got all of it. It somehow got over the fence. The next one went 438 feet. I think it's still the eighth largest, eighth furthest home run in Major League Baseball. So, yeah, um, if this continues, then all of a sudden, you know, this outfield that you're really worried about, if you're looking long term, you think, you know what? Maybe if you played Edmund in the outfield in one spot and you had Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson, that's kind of a dynamic outfield eventually. Now, I'm not saying Dexter Fowler's done. He's, he may be fine, and he's had some good at-bats, and those first two games he had RBIs, he had a home run in game one. So we'll see what happens. But if you look further down the road, if Carlson is an outfielder, I mean, if, um, if Edmund is an outfielder, that's not a bad squad. Let's talk pitching real quick. We knew they were going to have to lean on their pitching to get through this year. They had a lot of depth. That depth keeps shrinking and shrinking. Miles Michaelis now out for the year. Again, you and I are both excited to see Ponce get an opportunity. But just how much more can the depth take? They're starting to lose guys. Yeah, um, they're still okay there. I like the fact that the bullpen has been lights out. And, you know, if KK does have any struggles and maybe he gets the next save opportunity, the guy I've always liked in that role is the guy who throws 100 miles an hour, and that's Ryan Helsley. I, I really like him long term. In terms of Ponce, he is compelling to watch. He's like a six foot six Antonio Banderas. You know, the actor? He's just, he's kind of <laughs> swashbuckling. He's got that look about him. And he's got great stuff. I mean, eight strikeouts and three and two thirds. Here's the thing, too. Here's the thing, too, Corey. He had two hits allowed last night. I think he's had like 81 innings uh, over the last season and a start, and he's got like 60 hits. Major leaguers really don't hit him that hard or that often, but he's got to figure it out a little bit if he wants to stay in the big leagues as a starter. I, I, I like him. I like his stuff, and I hope he gets the ball in five or six days. I'm not 100% certain of that, though. I agree. I hope uh, they give him at least one more start, hopefully a couple, because when he's on, we saw it, he's nasty. He had eight strikeouts and only pitched, what, three, four innings. Uh, he was pretty impressive. Hopefully he can figure it out. I think they'd be smart to have Gomber ready to go if Ponce can only go a few innings like he did this last time. Maybe piggyback those two guys off each other if only one of them's going to get the start. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Marlins situation real quick because you mentioned it. Uh, there's been a lot flying around. We know what's happened. They've had to cancel a bunch of games, but it's been a domino effect because the Phillies have been impacted, the Orioles have been impacted, the Yankees have been impacted. I, it doesn't seem like MLB has much of a plan for this. Is there a real danger if this happens again or one team gets struck with this many cases, we could see the season stop? Well, if it happened again like that for sure but here's the thing you got to remember the players if they finish this world series make 1.5 billion the owners if they finish this world series make 800 million and you have to remember that the marlins are the only team since the season started to have a positive test i mean it's like 99 percent that you know the players are are getting good tests. So I think it may be a case of, um, I don't know if it was careless by them, but it's, it's one team 
If it's another team, then we got a real problem. But I think they can still get through this. It'll be interesting to see once the Marlins resume who's even on the team. They've signed a, a couple guys here in the last few days. This is going to be almost an entirely like backup squad from their alternate camp that comes up. Uh, they're going to be playing double headers probably that are seven innings long. I mean, it's gonna we're going to see some weird stuff here, but I'm open for any of it as long as we complete the season. <laughs> and let's face it, if it were any other team but the Marlins, um, we'd probably be a little bit more concerned. <laughs> but since they trot out there kind of a AAA roster, what difference does it make if, you know, they have the 20th best player or the 35th best player in their organization playing in major league games as opposed to the 28th best player? So I'm not that concerned about the Marlins. <laughs> Let's get to some other things here before we wrap it up. Uh, quick on college and high school football seasons, we're going to see some weird stuff. Uh, the SEC in Mizzou, they're going to play a 10-game schedule only in conference. Uh, most conferences have announced this by far already. I think the Big 12 is maybe the last uh, Power 5 one not to say it yet, if I'm correct on there. What do you think about that? Well, I talked with uh, Jim Sturk, the Mizzou athletic director today, and um, it was right before the announcement, and he sounded op awfully optimistic. And Corey, when Jim Sturk has lost $16 million out of his budget. And if they have a football season, that SEC money to each school is $45 million. If you've lost 16 and you have a chance to make 45, well, you're going to be really careful and really cautious and try to make this thing work. And that's what they're going to do. I mean, the money is so astronomical and they can, you know, use the best medical technology, they can be as careful as possible and take a shot. If it doesn't work, then you cancel the thing. But I, I didn't think there was any way the SEC and these Power Five conferences were not going to take a shot. Yeah, there is there's just too much money at stake for them not to go ahead and, and at least come up with a plan and try it. I do think this is not great for Mizzou from a schedule standpoint because you get more games against the best conference in football instead of some cupcakes. So Eli Drinkwitz is probably going to have a rough go uh, for his first season, especially depending on those other games they add. If they add like an Alabama or add an Auburn or an LSU or something, that could be pretty rough. But I like baseball. It's college football. I'll take whatever I can get. I'm not going to complain. Absolutely. Uh, high school-wise, we know Illinois is moving their season to the spring. You kind of looked at the recruiting angle of that earlier today. It's going to be really just a wild situation with guys having to make some tough choices, I think. Yeah, because, Corey, a lot of these guys, especially without a summer of making impressions as they visit colleges and go to elite camps, they didn't have that, and now they're not going to have a fall season. These guys got to have some tape. They, they got to be able to show a lot of these colleges that they're really good. So it's definitely going to hurt the recruitment for high school football players. Now, a lot of the, the really good ones people know about, but I'm talking about guys that could be borderline Division One that needed to have a great season in the fall to get that scholarship. I just feel so bad. I mean, if you're in Illinois, you're not going to play a football game until March, 
And if you're in Missouri, there's a realistic chance you won't play a football game, period, if your school is 100% online. And I think of these poor kids, and I know people think, oh, it's only football. Think of the big picture with COVID-19. These poor kids have worked their entire lives to try to have that great senior season, to try to make that impression, to try to go out in style. It would just be a shame if they were deprived of it. It would. You know, I'm already missing. We're going to miss out on that DeSmet East St. Louis game earlier, early in the season. I was looking so forward to that. Ahmad and I talk about that all the time. Yeah, I feel so bad for those East St. Louis kids to have to get beat by DeSmet in that big game, so now they get out of it. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. I said Actually, it would have been a great one. game. Uh, I, I love Darren Sunkett. It would have been, been the first time in history two 14-0 undefeated state champions from Missouri and Illinois go head-to-head. There would have been about 30 Division ones on the roster. I would never bet on a game like that because I can't bet against East St. Louis, but I certainly would never bet against the Palace on Ballas. Last thing here, your list this week is your favorite athletes of all time. I'm having some fun listening to these. Today was uh, Joe Namath, Kurt Warner, and Isaac Bruce. Tomorrow you got a bit of a surprise, so that should be fun. Uh, pick one of these guys. Who do you want to talk about from your uh, favorite favorite all-time athletes? Um, I think I'll go with Greg Norman because I think the perception – by some, oh, he's the guy who struggled in the majors, who choked up a couple of masters and everything. He's also the guy worth $300 million, who was number one in the golf world for 330 weeks, who won 88 tournaments worldwide, including two majors. And he also happens to be one of the coolest guys to ever be a professional athlete. I mean, I'm, I tell you, Corey, when, when he would struggle in those majors, and I'd be in the sports office with Trey Wingo, with Malcolm Briggs, with Andy Moeller, and Mike Bush. And they knew of my affection for Moeller. I mean, for, um, for, for Greg Norman. And I would go back to the show-me office away from them because they wanted to razz me. And I just felt so bad, I just wanted to cry. And I would just hide from them <laughs> on those Sundays and edit in the back because I just... I mean, those, those, they, he had a couple of Sundays that were so devastating to watch, but... In the end, though, he's still, he's still my guy and one of the coolest guys God ever put on this earth. I'll tell you what, he's got one of the best like personal brand logos uh, you can possibly have oh, yeah. and a dynamite clothing line. So I think he's doing all right. <laughs> he's done just fine. And you, Corey, you're, you're a golfer. There's no, no person has ever put on one of those Greg Norman shark shirts and not think, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> All right, Almost everybody, nice uh, thanks for tuning in. If... shirt right here, right here. Sweet 16, <laughs> St. Louis University. Mark it down. He's calling it. You Right? Uh, July 30th, Frank calling Sweet 16 for SLU. That's a good possibility. We'll be talking about the them quite a bit as the season gets started. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you're watching live on Thursday night, if you're listening on the Sports Plus podcast, Lots of sports coming our way. We got the Blues starting on Sunday for real. We'll be back next week. Bye, everybody.